Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for September has been provided by Joyent, the only cloud service that's purpose-built to power today's real-time web and mobile applications. Joyent offers the most cost-effective public and hybrid cloud solutions available today. Here at 5x5, we host all of our web and app servers in the Joyent cloud, so we highly recommend you check them out and sign up for a free trial at joyent.com. My guest this week is Keith Blount, the developer of Scrivener, which is one of the best apps on both Mac and Windows for long-form writing. How's it going, Keith? Hi, Brett. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for a great introduction. introduction. It's a, it's a ple- <laughs> pleasure to have you here. Um, so real quick, let's start talking about Scrivener. Uh, how, would you, how would you describe what's your elevator pitch for Scrivener? <laughs> we, we were talking about how we haven't got a particular elevator pitch for Scrivener at the moment, but <laughs> I guess I'd describe it as a, a long-form um, writing a content generation tool for authors, I guess, and that it's a place where you can uh, bring in your research and um, outline or edit, um, storyboard your work, and, and write it as well. All right. Um, for for people who haven't seen it, and I, if you write, you need to have seen this. Um, it uh, it gives you everything from like an index card view where you can shuffle bits of your piece around. Whether it's you know it, it's great for reports, it's great for fiction, it's great for uh, nonfiction. You can write just about anything long form in it, and it also gives you a ton of tools for gathering research for uh, referencing images, building characters, all these different. Uh, tools that you can use it even has like a, a bucket kind of i don't remember what it's called in scrivener but while you're working in other applications you can pop up a way to quickly drop stuff into your scrivener document without having to leave the app you're in right scratch scratch pad yeah scratch that's, pad. That's, that's, yeah that's a minor feature yeah i mean the idea behind it was always that it wasn't going to um force you to write in a particular way and it wasn't for any particular kind of writing. So when I was developing it, I was working on a, a PhD, which didn't get finished because it got sidetracked with working on Scrivener. But um, okay. it was so it was built around how I, I kind of researched a PhD, but also how I, you know, I've always been trying to write a novel. And so it was, it was based around that as well, around the different... It was basically it came, came about in, in the first place um, with me using lots of different tools. So I was writing outlines in Microsoft Excel and also on index cards. I mean, I had lots of ideas for chapters or scenes or, or themes in different Word files. And these were all over the place, and I'd keep trying to bring them together. And um, I eventually figured there must be some tool that can bring all this into one place. And so you can have it, you know, if, if you're going to um, write, uh, if, you've got, if you've got lots of themes written down in Microsoft Word documents and you've written on an index card, which is kind of a summary of each of those, I figured there must be soft- software where you can shuffle those index cards around, which will automatically rearrange the text associated with it. Um, but in looking for software, I didn't really find anything that did exactly what I wanted. So that's, that's kind of where it all started. So at that point, when you decided to start working on it, did you already have a history in, or uh, experience programming? No, no, not at all. I'm, I'm, I was a humanities student at university. I studied history and then medieval literature. So, um, no, not at all. I'd, I'd always dabbled when I was, you know, when I was a kid. I'd had a ZX Spectrum and I, you know, on the basic, and uh, I'd always got an interest in computers, and and so I'd, I'd learned a tiny bit of C just out of interest. But I hadn't really had any formal training, and so I had to go and, and you know, I went out and bought a programming in Objective C by um, Steve Cochran and. Um, Cocoa Programming for Mac OS X by uh, Hillegas, Aaron Hillegas, and I just worked through those, and that's where it all started there. Just, just I taught myself to program, to write Scrivener, really. Wow. 
Um, that's impressive, given how uh, how robust Scrivener turned out. Thanks. <laughs> Being your, your first programming project. I was. It, I mean, it took a long time. I mean, Scrivener. You know, it was, I think I worked on it for about. You know, it was obviously months of learning programming, and then it was a year and a half of writing Scrivener, um, which wasn't version one. It was kind of this. Uh, it became. I released it as Scrivener Gold, which was just kind of an old version. So I got to the end of this, this what I thought was going to be the final version of Scrivener I was going to release. But that was just this big learning curve. And I got to the end of it and realized I wanted to start again and write it properly. So that was 2006. And, and I kind of reused some of that code, but I started again and uh, worked on it for another year. I've noticed so, yeah. that, uh, that you, you share, and, and I read that the stuff that you share, the open source bits of code that you come up with, are yeah. oftentimes failed projects. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of things that I've tested in the past, and yeah, I, I need to update my free software, free source code page actually, because there's other bits I've been meaning to share for ages. Oh, please do. I've used a few of them. Oh, brilliant. Um, so uh, let's see. Scrivener can work with a variety of text formats as well, including Markdown. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a Markdown editor where you you know it's not like an editor where if if you type asterisks around things, it will automatically embolden it in the editor because it's a, it's a rich text editor. So it's more, it can work with these formats and exports. So you can, if you want, ignore the rich text editing capabilities or use them for something else and write in multi-markdown and um, yeah, export to, to you know, LaTeX and the various uh, multi-markdown um, supported formats. So really the goal is to provide a platform that allows you to work whichever way works best for you. Yeah, exactly. It was. It started off uh, mainly intended for first drafts, so that you could um, get all your research in one place and um, outline your project, and then write your project if that's the way you worked, or write your project and split it up and restructure it if you know you, you prefer to write before you outline or or structure. And so it started off so that you could do that and. You bring all your research into this. It's got this kind of the binder area, which is kind of your source list on the left, and that's where you get put all your files. And it's got a special um, folder in there, which is your draft folder, and that's where your text goes. And when you so you've got these research files, you can open a split screen, and you, you so you can have a PDF or an image on one side of a screen and your text on the other, or you might have a you know a transcript of an interview, or you might have the interview itself and play that what's, and, and transcribe it. And then when you've got your text, lots of different text documents, you don't. I mean, this would be the other idea, but you didn't have to write everything in one long Word document, but you could break it down into as many chunks as you wanted. And then when you finish the process, you compile it. Um, and so you take all these small chunks of text, which are contained in the draft folder, and it gets compiled into a, into a longer form, into, you know, into a longer text, which is then you take out a Word or you print it. And so to begin with it, the idea was that was going to be a, a first draft. You would take that out to Word and then do some work on it to, to finalize it. But as Scrivener's developed, it's, um, it's, it's a lot more able to, to come up with a final project. So now it can export to eBooks or it can produce PDFs that you could take straight to CreateSpace. So, um, so yeah, the idea is that you can, um, you, don't, you can work in any way you want and take it out to different formats, yes. That's awesome. I, uh, I haven't used anything uh, beyond the multi-markdown features. Right. Um, but, you know, combined with an external, like, actual markdown editor, which I should say, like, all I really want out of a markdown editor is, like, being able to hit Command-B and have the, the asterisk in place. Right. I yeah. don't actually even like like syntax highlighting. 
really? like to work in plain text. Right. Okay, um, yeah. A lot of people are going that way, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, it seems to be a, a movement of sorts, a grassroots movement. <laughs> um, I think what would be interesting is um, because I mean I think I think part part of the reason for, for some people has been um, out of necessity because of um, I don't know the whole movement but but like that you know you like using Markdown and for instance uh, kind of my right hand man Io who writes our, ma- our manual he's he's a dedicated multi Markdown and Markdown user and our, our user manual is all written in Scrivener using multi Markdown in fact so our four hundred page manual. It's all formatted in Scrivener using multi-markdown. But um, I think it'd be interesting to see, because a lot of people have adopted markdown and multi-markdown because the iPhone was plain text, everything was plain, plain text. It'd be interesting to see how that develops with rich text coming to iOS 7. Yes, it will be. Um, and I, there's actually, um, I'll talk about it later. It's one of my top picks. Okay. But uh, there are some markdown-based apps that are be already beginning to kind of create that uh, that bridge between uh, Markdown and Rich Text in the editor itself, not just in a preview, but we'll get to okay. that. So, okay. so I read an interview, I believe it was on uh, Mac App Storm, and right. you talked about every morning you have kind of a, a sequence of events. You, you start with customer service, okay, and, then, and then uh, time, you know, if there's time available, you, you write. Yeah, I mean, this, <laughs> it's been a while since uh, I've had time. Um, yeah, it, my ideal day is, um, yeah, I get up, I, I, I hit the first hour of clearing out emails, customer service emails, um, then spending about three or four hours until lunchtime um, just trying to do some writing because the whole idea of Scrivener in the first place, I wrote it for my own purposes and, you know, it was it was supposed to be based around the way I, I work and it was the app I wanted to use, so... I think it's important that I set some time aside and actually use the application for, for what I intended it to. So, so yeah, the idea is that I then get up to lunchtime and I spend the afternoons um, working on Scrivener and coding. Um, that's gone out the window a little bit over the past couple of months because we've been, been really busy. And uh, there's, you know, I've got this drive for 2.45 and we've had Scapel, which has been released. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the idea. All right. So when you write as the, uh, as the creator of such a, a dedicated writing app, do right. you do you always write on screen, or do you ever use paper? Do you uh, do you have a process there? Yeah, I use um, I I've got notebooks which I use for ideas, and then so I'll, I'll do the actual writing in Scrivener, but I'll take notes and ideas down in notebooks, and so there will be like um, lots of paragraphs and pages written down, scrawled all over the place, which I'll then um, quite often I'll have. I've built up quite a few notes before they get brought into Scrivener and then they get arranged in Scrivener and worked on from there. Interesting. I've also noticed that you hire, most of your team is comprised of enthusiastic users. Yeah. So you, you work in your app almost daily, whether you're working on it or writing in it and you hire people that do the same, I think. Is that yeah, fair? That's, yeah. Yeah, that is exactly what has happened. Yeah, we've—I mean, there's a few of us now. There's probably about, I'm about ten or twelve of us. Um, I have to count it up. And um, yeah, we've got so, so we've got people working part time, either freelance or employed, which we use users of the application first. I mean, we kind of ask for people through our forums, basically, because you know we, we felt it was important to get people in who knew the application inside out. We we don't really have resources to train people up, so yeah, we just brought in users, enthusiastic users who are already. 
mean, the great thing about having our, our forums, there's already people on there who just go on and help other people. And it was clear we'd got a few users that were very knowledgeable and already helping people out. And so when they, you know, when we were looking for people to to work for us, uh, a few of those were able to go part time and help. So, yeah, that's, a, that's how it's, it worked out. It, it makes perfect sense, but I I think it's an overlooked concept in a lot of areas. I um I I feel like it's I spent years, you know, it, not necessarily in forums, but working with applications that I wasn't getting paid to work with. Right, and that's begun after I don't know five or six years with some apps. It's begun to kind of pay off for me. I'm I'm getting responses from developers that that trust me and trust my opinions because they know I'm a dedicated user. Yeah. And I think maybe there's I think people are starting to lean toward hiring like people that are already enthusiastic about the product instead of just doing blind headhunts for new new talent. Yeah, well, I mean certainly for someone like us is you know share it's a small shareware company it's it makes a lot of sense because we just i mean we don't have, we don't have offices or anything we all work from home and you know i haven't even met most of my team to be honest it's really when i it's when i speak to our to our lawyer or our accountant about it they just can't quite wrap, wrap their heads around the idea that we've got this uh, team of people who are you know there's a couple of people in england uh, we've got a couple of people in, in the us uh australia and we you know we haven't We've, we've, I've met about three or four of them out of the 12. Um, but there's a lot of trust there because I've I, you know, known them virtually for, for years. Um, and and we just see, we've seen what they can do. So, do yes, you, it's strange. Come on, sorry. Do you do a video chat when you first start working with someone? No, I don't. Really? <laughs> I can't been... imagine. I can't imagine trusting. and Like, for me, until I do a video chat, I don't even know how to read someone's emails with their tone really? of voice. Well, I've, I've done um, phone, I've done phone calls with some of them, um, but not all. And um, I mean, like for instance, Io, who's uh, who writes our manual and um, who uh, does our website. I've never met him. I've never video chatted to him. I've never even phoned him. Wow. <laughs> for all I know, he could be the, the most advanced AI program ever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suspect it sometimes. Um, wow. <laughs> but yeah, so I've, I've, I've yeah, I've never spoke to him or a couple of others, but. By the time he came to work for us, he had, I mean, he was one of our first users back in um, November 2005 when I first put Beta out. And he was one of the first people to use it and make suggestions. And he stuck with it. And then he was on the forums giving this amazing help to people um, for uh, you know, years before I eventually, when I was looking for someone else, it was just obvious. And it, it, didn't, it didn't, you know, it just didn't even occur to me that it was even necessary to video chat to him or phone him. He obviously, he just sent, you know, I looked at his CV and we did all that process and, but we didn't do a video chat. No. Interesting. I think for me, it's really important because it goes the other way too. And I tend to have a very dry sense of humor. I deliver my jokes very flat. Right. And then in real life, then I consciously make an effort to smile. So people know I'm kidding. <laughs> but on voice chat and in emails, I suppose in emails, it's actually easier because I can put a little emoticon after it. Yeah. To be like, ah, ha, ha, ha. I, I, yeah, I've become a big user. Of, I used to hate emoticons. They just seemed, you know, a bit teenage like, right, um, right. but I just use them all the time now. When you, when you're doing support online or, or working with a team online all the time, you soon, you soon learn, soon learn that you, uh, you, things you say, which you think are obviously just humorous come across very flat. And, yes. uh, 
honestly interpreted so yeah smiley faces get everywhere now smiley faces and uh and the tongue the p <laughs> right that, colon p. those are really the only two i use right yeah but, but they do make a huge difference all right i'm going to take a quick break for our first sponsor and i have to warn people i didn't get my sponsor reads in time for this show so this is going to be cut in right about now this episode is brought to you by squarespace the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website they're doing something special for September. For a free trial and 20% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code HONEY. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with new features, new designs, and more support. They have beautiful designs for you to start with and tons of style options for you to adjust so you can really create your own space online. Squarespace takes care of hosting, SEO, and even makes sure that your site automatically looks great on any device. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you want some help, over 70 Squarespace employees are on the customer care team, which is based in New York City. Their office has been nicknamed the Care Bear Lair, and they've won numerous awards, most recently a Gold Stevie Award. While you're there, make sure you go check out their homepage, too. It has awesome videos that really show how Squarespace fits everyone differently. Squarespace is always updating their site with fun new branding that has won numerous design awards from prestigious institutions like FWA, The Webbies, and Forbes. As I mentioned earlier, you can try Squarespace for free, no credit card required, and if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month, which includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. Make sure to get 20% off during September and support the show by using the offer code HONEY. So thanks to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 and Systematic. Okay, that was a really cool sponsor read. Um, I I assume, I assume. Um, so let's see. You you get a lot of of feedback, I assume, and you build a lot of features into Scrivener. But it does seem like there's a conscious uh, decision process as to what gets included. Uh, where do most of your feature ideas come from? Um, it's a mixture. So obviously the whole initial feature set was something I wanted. And then from there, it's um, as I'm using it, I also note things that I want. So that they will generally take priority um, for selfish reasons. But then we have a wish list forum on the, on, on the forums. We're very clear about it's not, you know, it's not software by committee. It's not a voting system for what features you want in it. It's just but, but user feedback is really is obviously fundamental because people are out there using it in the real world. world. They use it for purposes that you didn't imagine it was going to be used for. Um, you know, like we have lots of lawyers using it. I never never anticipated that. And so you get you get these good ideas, and you also get pe- people coming back who try to use two features. In uh, you know, they they expect them to be integrated in some sort of way, which you never foresaw. And they'll say, "Why doesn't this do this?" And you go, "Oh yeah, of course it should." Um, so it comes from, it comes from that direction as well. And everything, every feature that we we put in is you know, apart from maybe minor small things, um, is discussed quite at length. Um, so, for instance, at the, at the moment, um, as I'm working on 2.5, um, there's been huge huge back and forth, mainly between me and I, where the two tend to discuss the, the features, um, the main feature set. And um, there's been huge back and forth and long email conversations about how to approach different features in different ways and which one should go in. So, yeah, there's a, there's a very drawn out conscious process for, for most things. So what features do you say no to? Is there 
Well, I, I suppose there's probably not a cut and dry process there, but for example, like what situations have you run into where you thought an idea was valid, but wasn't enough of a common use case to put into the application? Um, I think it tends to be less things that uh, aren't going to be common enough use because if it's, I mean, obviously I will look at some, I will prioritize things that I think are either going to be used by me or are going to be uh, used a lot or be very useful. But if something's fairly simple to implement and even if it's not going to have that commoner use, if, it, if I feel it fits in with the overall scope of the application, it will go in um, as long as it doesn't add too much clutter. Um, and so a lot of the process at the moment is decluttering. But for instance, um, there are things which get asked for fairly frequently, which just do not fit in the scope of the application. So an example of that would be a timeline. We get asked, obviously, authors who are writing novels, or not necessarily not novels, um, you know, some some do like putting a timeline together of events. And so we quite often get people saying, look, you've got a cork board and you've got an outline. Why not a timeline in there as well? But it's just not something that actually fits in with how Scrivener works because of um, because of the outline and the cork board are actually linear views upon um, subfolders within the binder. So you click on a, on a folder in the binder and you can view its contents in an out, as an outline form or as a cork board. And so a timeline, which is... You know, it's a chronological sequence uh, of events. It doesn't really fit into this um, draft structure we've got going in. It's you know, this hierarchical structure, which is in Scrivener, which you know might might all be out of chronological order anyway. So it would be something we have to be tacked on, completely separate. So I tend to say no to features, but would be completely tacked on and not really fit in with the rest of the application. It sounds like you also consider what can be added without uh, adding interface features. Like there's a difference between feature bloat and clutter. Yeah, yeah, to a certain extent. Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely true. We don't. You know, I wouldn't want to add, add something in. But, I mean, for instance, something, something like timeline. By the time you'd add it to Scrivener, it would need pretty much its own toolbar and menus. It would be it would be so far different. You'd need lots of different menu items just especially for that one. And I think if it doesn't integrate into the whole, you may as well use a dedicated application for it. You don't you don't want to build things into it just for the sake of it if it would just be easier to use a different application by the time it's you know it's just floating there and not doing anything that you couldn't do in a different way all right well i think you've done a good job of building an extremely robust application without making it look like say the current version of microsoft word which (laughs) i find infuriating i like i don't use it very often i use it when i have to uh to work with someone else it takes me forever to figure out where a toolbar went, how to get back yeah. to it. Yeah, I mean, I just I use a nicest writer if I'm going to use a, <laughs> a word processor. It's so much easier. But um, yeah, I mean, we, I mean, it's, I mean, for two point five, for instance, at the moment, we're, we're trying to remove clutter as well. We, a lot of the focus at the moment, because as you develop an application which is as big as Scrivener over, over the years, you know, it's been going for what, six years now. It was released in two thousand, beginning of two thousand seven. So it's, um, you know, over those years things accrue and accumulate and, and it's nice sometimes what we are doing with 2.5 to stand back and say, well, what things can we kind of change or get rid of? And so, uh, yeah, so 2.5 is a big decluttering. We, we get a lot of users who get confused by the, there's so many options in the preferences. They, they really needed um, refining and make it, making it a lot easier to use and like a project settings and things like that. So yeah, decluttering occasionally is kind of fun. Can you give me an example of a feature that you're, you've removed recently? Um, 
Well, one thing we've been talking about quite a lot at the moment uh, recently, and, and now I'm about to be implementing this next week, um, we're removing the project notes feature, for instance, um, which is the project notes and I say removing, it's, it's going to be, it is going to be gone, but it's, it's going to replace it, which will be more integrated. So we've got a, a project notes feature is um, basically you've got, you've got your main editor in Scrivener and over on the right, you can look at, you've got a notes area for each document has got a notes area um, that you, you can, so, so you can refer to those as you write. And we've also got project notes, which you can look in this right hand area and you switch to project notes and they'll be the same for Every, you know, you, you can look at those for every document. You can refer to the same project notes. And um, oh, you can also bring up a floating window with your project notes. And they're just kind of a general notes about the project, as, as the name implies. But the trouble with these has always been they've kind of floated, you know, I was saying before about um, interface just existing on their own. And these kind of did that. They integrated into this right-hand the inspector column. But other than that, they kind of float on their own. They're difficult to print. You can't really export them. They just, they're just kind of this feature that exist and so um we're getting we're just going to get rid of that and i mean as of 2.0 we had we've got this feature called so the past few couple of years we've got this feature called quick reference which is just where bringing up any document you've got in your binder in a separate window so we're basically going to integrate that we're now going to get rid of the project notes and replace it with a kind of um, bookmarks feature where you can have um, documents from your binder which can appear in the right hand side um not doing justice to, be, to be how it's going to be done uh, as describing it there because it's still being implemented. But it's just something which is going to, going to so the functionality is still going to exist. The user is still going to be able to do exactly what they could before of taking these um, notes in their project and viewing them in the inspector. But it's not going to be a separate feature which exists off on its own for it. It's going to be integrated with the rest of the application. And you'll be able to do with those notes all the things you can do with the rest of the text in your project, export them or compile them. Oh, that's brilliant. Do what you want with them. I love the quick reference panel. That's uh, it's right, going to cool. be really cool too. Yeah, I've always wondered. Like the notes kind of seem like they were for very uh, momentary purpose. Yeah, like, just I mean, like copy something, paste it into there until you've integrated it into your document. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. It. Yeah, you can refer to it in your side in, in the inspector, but they just kind of exist there. So it's and yeah. So we, I mean, a quick reference panel. We're going to build in a little fav- um, kind of bookmarks um, draw to come out of that so you can switch between your bookmark documents within a quick reference panel as well. So this, you know, it completely replaces the, the project notes feature. The project notes feature won't be needed when this is implemented. That's, that's awesome. I, I look forward to seeing where Scrivener will be two, three years from now as you, uh, as, as you add features, but, but do this kind of removal and re, uh, reimagining of them. Yeah. Cool. Not, yeah. I got to jump back to something you said earlier. Why do you think there are so many lawyer nerds? <laughs> lawyer nerds? I don't know. I've no, I've no idea. But we do, we have got quite a few lawyers using Scrivener to to um, write their briefs and yeah. I guess as a, as a narrative they have. I have, have a to huge write for number. I have a huge number of lawyers using Marked as well, really? and I I deal with a lot of lawyers who work in Markdown, and they work in plain text, and they love it. And I don't. It seems like a disproportionate number of lawyers versus other vocations yeah i find that as well actually it's strange I, I do get quite a few lawyers i don't i don't have an explanation for that i'll have to have a lawyer on the show <laughs> yeah that's a good idea to Ask explain them. that to me so did you finish your phd no <laughs> no you, you made scrivener instead yeah exactly yeah, the, the, yeah so it's kind of an ongoing guilt trip i have about <laughs> not having finished that 
it, it, do you feel like like you made uh, a good decision or do you have regrets there? Uh, no, I made a good decision. I, I, I love what I do now. All right. Um, my only regret is that I didn't finish something I received a grant for and uh, I you know, <laughs> could pay back that grant. That's, that's what I feel bad for. Someone else could have used that money and finished that. Yeah, uh, I can understand that. that, that. Search, so. Interesting, interesting. All right, um, I'm going to inject another sponsor break right about here. Okay. Our next sponsor today is Shutterstock.com, where you'll find over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and video clips. Start your search at Shutterstock.com to find that perfect image for your website, ad, publication, or any other creative project. Shutterstock.com gives you a global image collection to find images from across the world to suit your project. Choose between image packs and monthly subscription packages. Choose whatever fits your need and never have to compromise. If you need just one image for your blog or mock-up, you can do that too. Every time you visit Shutterstock, you'll find something new because they add 10,000 new images every day. It's more affordable than you think too, with no extra charge for large files. Just download any image at any size and pay only one price. They don't nickel and dime you for high-resolution images. If you need them, just take them. Easily curate and share pictures via Lightboxes. You can choose your favorite pictures or videos and add them to your own Lightbox gallery as you search. You can also use their iPad app to do this. There's something called Enhanced License Access. If you like an image and you want to run it on print or swag for trade shows, they can get you an enhanced license for any image. They also have a huge library of vectors, icons, infographic templates, and video clips should you need any of those. If you need help at Shutterstock.com, you get an account rep dedicated to you who will answer any questions. They also have 24-hour support during the week. To sign up for a free browse account, go to Shutterstock.com, no credit card needed. When you find the images you like and decide to purchase, use the offer code DANSENTME9, all one word, and get 25% off any package you put together over at Shutterstock.com. Oh, that was seamless, wasn't it? <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, let's, uh, let's go ahead and do the top three picks. I'm curious to hear what the author of Scrivener is excited about. So if you want to start <laughs> with your number one pick. Okay, I, I, I found this really difficult because it turns out that I do not use... Like, cause I, was, I was trying to think of some good applications to to recommend and i realized i don't use that many very various applications that nobody would have heard of so my um, my first pick is an iphone app which i just found really handy a couple of weeks ago when i was in london and it's called halo and it's just a, a um, taxi hailing application and it was just brilliant because we were we were doing a touristy thing in london i lived there for 13 years but we went went back to london to, with the kids to take them and see you know a couple of two two oldest kids were born there so we took them back to do the tourist sites and it was just fantastic coming out, you know, British Museum, just being able to click a button on your iPhone and it would you know, tell you that you've got a cab five minutes away and you'd see it on your map and it would arrive and you could pay and even put the tip on all the this iPhone apps. So um, that's my top handy pick. So in the U.S. we have something called Uber and right. it is basically like there's an Uber network of cab drivers and they work under the Uber name and that's how Uber uh, kind of handles all the the networking and and summoning of cabs is that a similar situation yeah well we're talking to the taxi driver and apparently it's um yeah the taxi drivers just have to sign up to the service and i guess they give a small bit of commission off it so um they don't work under the uber name but they just sign up for the service and then they will just get um they're able to get notification that there's a passenger someone needs picking up nearby and 
one, you know, whoever picks up the, the call first will take it. Um, and apparently it's like, about, I think he said something like 12,000 cabs have signed up to this particular to the Halo app in London. And then we've got lots wow. in other cities around the UK. So, um, yeah, so it was really, really efficient. That's, that's pretty amazing. 12,000 cabs in one city. Yeah, I was, I was quite impressed. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I know Uber's had some, uh, some, some issues with fair pay and striking, uh, cab drivers, not striking physically, but cab drivers on strike. Um, right. have you heard anything about Halo having similar issues or? Oh, no. I mean, I don't know vast amounts about it other than having used it, but chatted to the taxi driver at the time. But, um, I mean, he gave me the impression that it was, you know, they're not working for Halo. They just sign up. It's the service they sign up for. Yeah, kind of. So I guess it's just like, yeah, I guess it's just the same as if they, if they had, you know, signed up to a taxi rank that sends them work, basically. Yeah, and that's that's essentially what Uber is as well. So right, okay. if, it, if it is similar, I totally agree with your pick because as a user, uh, not a cab driver, as a user, <laughs> it has been... Absolutely. In the, in the cities that I'm in, where it is, you know, in place, it is the yep. greatest thing in the world. Yeah, it feels like it feels like you're in the future. Finally, you've you got a computer in your pocket. You can pick it up and call it, you know, just, just watch your cab come to you. And it's, it's part of feeling like you're in the 21st century. I like it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll do my first pick, which is a new uh, to-do list app uh, that joins the ranks of 100 other to-do list apps on the iPhone. Um, but this one is, it's called begin and it's 99 cents and it basically distills the idea of a to-do list down to today and tomorrow. And it doesn't deal with long-term, uh, plans. It doesn't deal with contacts and tags and all of this stuff. You just add, you make a list and, uh, it, they all go into the today list and then you can swipe one direction and move it to tomorrow you can swipe another direction and mark it as complete. And then you can basically get through your to-do list for the day. Anything you don't finish moves into like a kind of task purgatory for two days. And you can then, you can move those back into the tomorrow list or into the today list. Um, and it's just, that's about it. It, it supports X callback URL. So you can integrate it with uh, like drafts and launch center pro. And for 99 cents extra, you can you can add additional themes to it. But uh, but it's extremely simple. And while it would never replace uh, something like OmniFocus for me, it is a perfect like scratch pad for this is what I need to do while I'm out running an errand and just don't want to deal with making a project and adding context and everything. I just can that sounds really useful, actually. I might have to check that out. So I, I tend to use just use um, reminders at the moment, and it doesn't really do everything I need. I, I do just tend to – I just write things down on paper, and I, I, I've been looking for a, a good application that will replace that. Yeah, I love the idea of, uh, of the kind of procrastination. Like, I'm not going to get this done today. I'll move it to tomorrow. Yeah. Because that's how – I when I use task paper lists, I do something very similar. Um, and task paper is pretty good for that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, but this is right. this is just a dedicated gestures that become second nature, and I can just say this task, forget S- it, do it tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, love it. All right. So, cool. what's your number two? Uh, my number two is a real world object, which is um, it's it's quite it's quite a, a, a luxury. It's um, an Italian leather bound um, journal, which is uh, Florence. 
it's, it's sold by Eastgate Software, who make um, the excellent um, Tinderbox. And um, but they also, as well as selling software on their site, they sell these uh, these um, journals, these writing books. And it's uh, they're just made in some craft shop in Florence, apparently. And it's just it's it's just this beautiful, beautiful um, book. Um, lots of blank, um, hand cut pages. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 I mean, my, my handwriting does not do it justice. It's this great object. And it just feels like you're opening some medieval manuscript to start writing in it. Like, you know, um, like some old scribe and, uh, yeah, unfortunately my spidery scrawl just looks, just ruins it. But it just feels like when you sit down to write in here, it feels like, you know, you're taking it, taking it seriously and you've got to, you, you, you'd ought to write something half decent. Do you find Even that intimidating though? Like, slightly, but I kind of like that in a way. I, occasionally, as long as it's not, as long as you're not staring at the blank page, and you know, it's you, you're just staring at it for ages. But I, I kind of like the feeling that you're sitting down. And it's, it's kind of a special kind of um, medium that you're working in. Do you know how much it costs? It's very expensive. I look about one hundred and twenty dollars. So they're, they're kind of a Christmas present, um, but they are nice. How many pages do you get for one hundred and twenty dollars? A lot. I don't. I'm not even sure actually. But it's, I mean, I've had this. I mean, I, I just use it occasionally, but I've had it for a year now, and it's it's not even half full. I'm about a third full. Um, so there are a lot of pages and a lot a lot to fill in there. But nice. they're great. I mean, I do looking at it, it does make me think of the um, I think David Nichols. One day, we, one of the characters um, does say that she, she suddenly realizes that writing. Uh, her love for writing might just be a fetish for stationery. And I think, um, <laughs> I think this is a good example of that. I think I have the same issue. Uh, I, I have a bit of a moleskin field notes, bullet space, bullet pen addiction. Right. I, just, I like the tools so much that I find yeah. myself finding excuses to take notes and to write things just so that I can use the tools. Yeah. I mean, cause I was looking at, I was, I was listening to one of your shows from the other day. Got, um, the guy who designed the index cards, the, uh, the frictionless index cards. Yeah. I was looking at those and they look lovely. I want, I want to get some of those. <laughs> I don't know if I need yeah. them, but they look great. I love those. I love them. They do look good. Um, in fact, let me add those to the show notes. Done. Okay. Um, so let's see. That is definitely a luxury item. So is I will follow luxury? that. I will follow that with my most expensive app on this list, which comes out to a grand total of four ninety nine. That's four dollars <laughs> and ninety nine cents. It's uh, it's forty percent off right now. It's called Write Write, which is W R I T E R I G H T, and it's an iPhone app for writing, which I figured was apropos for the show. Um, it, it, there's no like Scrivener equivalent on iOS, is there? There's a there's, yes. a, there's yes. like an index card app. <laughs> Yeah, and which is called Index Card, yeah. Yeah, which is uh, definitely, like, integrates really well, but there's no, like, you don't have an official iOS version, do you? Not yet. We're working on it at the moment. Okay. It's, it's way overdue. Okay, so so these, these picks aren't, uh, they won't cannibalize your sales yet. Um, but uh, <laughs> but Write Write is a, it's a markdown editor, and it's available in English and Spanish, and what it provides is, uh, a dictionary thesaurus of synonyms and antonyms, and it'll give you definitions and suggestions as you write. Uh, and you can select a word and you can pop up um, a whole list of related or replacement words, and it will automatically match gender and case, conjugation, pluralization uh, for anything that you replace so that it just automatically gets it right. And then it provides uh, organization with folders and 
uh, it's designed for, I would say, medium form writing. I, I can't technically say that any any iPad or iPhone app, in my opinion, is really designed for long form writing. I know some people who do. Patrick Roan does a great job with writing entire books on his iOS devices. But for me, this is a nice, it's more than a notes app. It's it's a full writing app. I just, I couldn't write a book in it. Right, okay. But that's just me. I'm sure some people could put it to full use. Yeah, I think some people do um, write long um, long form writing on iPads and things, don't they? But... Yeah, yeah. And I I don't know, like I miss things like Scrivener. I miss things like Multi-Markdown Composer. Uh, when I'm yeah. on my, and well, there, and there is a multi-markdown composer for iOS. So my excuse really is I just type too slowly. <laughs> yeah. I, I, even if you, I'm thinking is you can get an external, I mean, a lot of people use an external keyboard with them, don't they? But then you've got to carry that around as well, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And, and at that point, my MacBook Air. Exactly. My MacBook Air is a, especially these new ones with the nine hour battery life. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Fantastic. But anyway, right, right is a great uh, relatively new application and I would recommend checking it out. Man. So that brings you to number three. Yeah. Okay. My third one is a book um, which is called the Turing test um, as in Alan Turing um, by Chris Beckett. And it's a science fiction book of short stories, um, which is very, uh, with all on of, um, I guess Philip K. Dick. It's very, very Dickian. Um, and it's just, he's uh, kind of up and coming, writer this guy he's got a he's working on a trilogy at the moment the dark eden trilogy and uh, this is uh I think this is a collection of his early sort of short stories um but just you know in a very kind of philip k dick way very much characters that are not sure who they are necessarily or um it's, it's all you know this technology interweaves with uh, modern life it's um yeah it's, it's a fantastic book and you said like science fiction right yeah, it's, it's science fiction and not kind of spaceship science fiction, more, um, you know, near future uh, things that change, it just changes to, to, to modern life in, in kind of weird ways. It's a little bit like, um, I guess, Ted, Ted Chang, have you read Ted Chang at all? Uh-huh. It's, um, all right, okay. It's, it's, it's kind of in that vein. But yeah, it's great. Should I, should I read both of these? Yeah, yeah Ted Chang stories. Yeah, that would be my other one, Ted Chang stories of your life. That's a very similar approach. How do you spell Chang? Oh no! Um, I think it's C H I A N G. Okay, I'll see I if I can find that <laughs> yeah. for the show notes. Um, I'm taking quick notes so I can make sure all of this gets into the show notes. Turing test, awesome! All right, um, yeah, I have a. I I used to read voraciously. Uh, Bruce Sterling, William Gibson, Neil right. Stevenson. Like I love that stuff. Um, I like I I devoured the Martian Chronicles, uh, Bradbury's right, okay. compendium. Um, but I haven't I haven't gotten into a good sci-fi book for quite a while. Uh, there's something I I don't know. Like I I read uh, Gaiman's Neil Gaiman's uh, The Ocean at the End of the Lane. I think it was called. Right. That was the most recent fiction book I've I've finished. Um, I haven't. I mean, it's probably the first one I finished in four or five years. So recent fiction or science fiction? It, w- which what? So you said the most recent fiction book you read, right? Well, yeah, including science fiction. Oh, I okay. uh, the only books that I've I've actually finished for years now are uh, short programming manuals. 
<laughs> okay. Um, I, I like I can't do like the the great big like Aaron Hillegas's book. I I, right. I I can't read it cover to cover, and I don't know if it's necessarily. Yeah, that one is meant to be read cover to cover. I I don't yeah. though. Well, I guess when you don't need to if you're not learning anymore. It's, that that was that was very much a learning book for me. Well, and that's so. the thing is is I I am learning. I have so much to learn. Uh, it's that I get to a point where I just want to go do what I just learned. Yeah. I and then I never get back to the book. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a, a rabbit's hole. You end up going down exploring different things. And yeah. Rabbit hole is one of my favorite, uh, favorite, uh, with allegory. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, oh, so now my brain is trying to figure out whether it's an allegory. Yeah. It's not, it's a, yeah. I, whatever, yeah, whatever. whatever. <laughs> anyway, I, 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 I frequently, I, I frequently enjoy the rabbit holes. Um, but, uh, I Time have consumed. to learn. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I have, I have learned to, at a certain point in a rabbit hole, like stick my head out and realize that the ultimate destination of my current rabbit hole is useless. <laughs> right. And as much as I enjoy, it's just the problem solving that I enjoy. It doesn't necessarily matter if I create something worthwhile. Yeah, I enjoy that aspect of it. I mean, but, I say that aspect of programming. I like the problem solving. But there is a time limit where I have to, I have to say, three hours trying to solve this one problem that ultimately isn't going to change anything. That's <laughs> when I, I can walk away. I've gotten better at that. Yeah, they're the frustrating ones. Where it's, yeah, I find when I'm working on a really minor feature, I say, this, this is going to, I'll add this because it's only going to take two hours and it's not going to add anything particular. You know, it's not going to cause any clutter. And then you find it's a day and a half later. You know, Why am I still working on this? This, <laughs> exactly. is, this one person is going to use this. Stop now. <laughs> yes, yes. I am a, a frequent visitor to that realm. <laughs> All right. So my third app is another iOS writing app. It's for iPhone. It's called Write. And it, uh, which is not great for uh, search engine placement. Uh, if you search <laughs> the app store for it, y you'll find a bunch of other stuff. Uh, actually, it did come up when I, never mind. I did a direct search. It was the second, uh, second result for right. But anyway, it's a dollar 99 and it's, um, it's got a new, it's the one I was talking about earlier where it combines markdown and rich text. Um, and right. it's the first one I've seen that's done it really well on iOS. There are, there are Mac apps that'll do it, but on iOS, if you put your two asterisks on either side of a word or phrase, it just, it becomes bold and the asterisks disappear. Okay. But if you start editing it, you'll be able to see the markdown until you move out of it. Uh, much the way like folding text, right. uh, or texts on, on Mac do, does. Um, and I, Text is on iOS too, but I haven't used it for a while. I don't remember if it's officially released. I'll I'll check that uh, and make a correction in the show notes if that was a glaring error. But um, but right is it it just updated with this new feature and it uh, it's really really nice. It also has a ton of sharing features and you can add custom sharing features using callback URLs. Uh, okay. Nice swipe interface, automatic full screen writing. It's nice. It's nice. It's cool. great. All right. Well, that's my three. You happy with your three? Uh, actually, yeah. Yeah, I think you got four in there, at least. Yeah, I just, just wrote an extra one, yeah. Awesome. 
I like the extras. All right, well, we'll take <laughs> another sponsor break here, I think, and uh, and be right back. HostGator.com is a premier web hosting provider. If you are looking to start a website, HostGator can help you get started with monthly hosting plans, one-click installs, and tons of other features that make getting your site up and running easy. If you are a more advanced user or a business, HostGator can take care of you with reseller plans, VPS, and dedicated servers. HostGator guarantees 99.9% uptime and no matter your size or needs. If you're a WordPress user, you're going to love their one-click installs and optimized hosting platform. When you host with HostGator, you get unlimited disk space and bandwidth. They have free site builder tools that are super easy to use, but if you find yourself needing any help, they have 24-7 support to ensure that everything is running smoothly. So head on over to HostGator.com to learn more, and when you decide to purchase, don't forget to use the coupon code DANSENTME9 and get 30% off of everything at HostGator.com. Okay. Okay. I don't even know if, yeah. <laughs> there may or may not have been a sponsor in that spot. But we'll assume there was. So thanks to that sponsor. And uh, and let's see, you are on Twitter as Scrivener App. Yep, that's right. And you can find Scrivener and uh, a lot of... Uh, of what has been shared as open source code at literatureandlatte.com. That's right, and Scapple as well, which is our, oh, and Scapple, yes, minor application. Yep. Yeah, Scapple's been uh, uh, much. It's been well received as kind of a mind mapping uh, concept map or uh, application. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I be wary of using words mind map and concept mapping. Actually, it's not. It's not really. It's more. Um, it's more free form. So it's not like uh, you don't make connection well you do make connections but it's not hierarchical so right. it's it's just, not radiant it like you don't have yeah. to work from a central you just double topic. click anywhere and you write some, something and you double click somewhere else and you write i mean you drag one note on the other to connect them and you make connections like that it's basically just uh how i work things out on paper i just transferred that to screen sure does that before. does that integrate with uh with scrivener at all right now you, uh, it's, it's you can track things it between them. And so you could drag, say, from Scapple onto Scrivener. If you've got Scrivener in freeform corkboard mode, you could drag the notes onto that and get them in the same arrangement or vice versa. Uh, but ma- mainly what you do, the way I work um, with it is once I've got uh, a kind of you know, map of ideas in Scapple, I'll just export it as PDF and have a PDF file in Scrivener and work from that. And I just select the text from PDF and copy it in as I need. Because I don't really, because it's for notes and working out how ideas fit together, I don't usually then need them in, um, I don't normally need to get them into a particular order exactly as they are. I, I, I work from them, if you see what I mean. So I just yeah. need them for reference. So Yeah, so it's a starting point. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly what it is. Awesome. So, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll link Scapple as well. And, uh, well, that brings us to the end. Thank you so much for being here, Keith. Thank you very much for having me. And I am TT Scoff everywhere, Twitter, etc. And, uh, and you can find me at brettterpstra.com. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll be back in a week. Bye.